Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to this Friday edition of La Liga Lowdown. There was a midweek round of La Liga action, the 11th round of the 2019-20 season, and we're going to look back on the 10 matches and 35 goals of that round. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we have several great contributors coming up, but we absolutely have to start in Barcelona, where we all learned one thing on Tuesday night. Lionel Messi is back. Let's bring in Roman de Arcaire now to talk about Messi's excellent performance against Real Valladolid in a 5-1 Barcelona win. First, across into the box from Messi, ended up falling for Clement Langley to score before Messi scored two goals, including his 53 kick goal of his career, and he also provided assists for Arturo Vidal and Luis Suarez. Roman, just how good was Messi? It's crazy to even say this, considering how many brilliant games he's had, but I think this performance was up there with some of his very best. Oh, this no doubt was a super game by Leo Messi. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that he basically won this game on his own. Because uh, Barca weren't playing too well in many moments of that game. But it was flashes of Messi's quality that allowed them to win 5-1 against Valladolid. I mean, first with a dangerous cross into the box, which ended in a goal. Then that marvellous assist for Arturo Vidal. Then that free kick was just splendid. And then another goal and another assist. So, I mean, Messi is just so good we're running out of adjectives of compliments and there's not much i can really say about him we just have to enjoy him because when he's not there we're gonna miss him what was your favorite messy moment of this match for me it was assist to arturo vidal it was just so precise for me it's got to be his second goal at that point he's with his back to the goalkeeper and he receives the ball from rakitic and how he's capable of caressing that pass with his knee but at the same time orienting it to turn 180 degrees and then just smashing it across to the goalkeeper's left-hand corner. I thought that was a sensational control. That was a marvellous one, no doubt. I can't really disagree with you there. It was something most of us could never manage if we tried it 100 times. So, is Messi back to full fitness now? And if so, just how terrifying is that for the rest of La Liga? Well, Messi looked really good in that game against Valladolid, uh, physically and technically. So if he's not at his best, he's probably right about getting there. 
And of course, uh, other teams have to be worried because, I mean, he's been tyrannizing La Liga defenses for over a decade and we all know what he's capable of. And when he's on the field, Barca are a much better team. Ansu Fati is no longer 16 years old. He turned 17 yesterday, but he's still just a kid. How amazing is it that he started another match? And what do you think of the fact that he was given important responsibilities, such as taking corner kicks? It's definitely very satisfying to see such a, a young player coming from Barca's youth system get so many minutes in such a tough competition uh, with such little experience. I mean, Valverde is seeing something in him. He's definitely delivering in those training sessions. He's also playing really well in those games. And little by little, he's getting more confidence, more minutes and developing his football. And as you mentioned, now he's uh, also taking corner kicks. And during the game, you, you can see he wants to have the ball. He wants to dribble past uh, defenders and try and get those goals and those assists. So Ansu Fati looks really promising. And I hope uh, he can keep up this level during the whole season. Finally, what was the atmosphere like at the Camp Nou and around the stadium? Because, of course, the postponement of El Clasico made this the first home match for Barcelona since the political protest started a couple of weeks ago. Well, as I suspected, it was quite a mild atmosphere if we want to compare it to what uh, they were trying to um, make us think it was going to be because uh, there were no, no riots, uh, no security problems at all. Uh, and of course, there were people chanting in favor of independence, which is perfectly normal. There were a couple of banners asking for the freedom of political prisoners and fans waving La Estelada, which is the Catalan independence flag. But I mean, we've seen this in lots of games at the Camp Nou. So it's uh, nothing out of the ordinary at all. So this comes to prove my theory that the game could have been played perfectly uh, just three days before the game um, against Valladolid. Yes, exactly. You did explain in the previous podcast and in a Twitter video that you felt the classical could have gone ahead as planned without much trouble. Now, finally, one more point I want to make about this Barcelona game, and it's related to the classical postponement. After the match, and after a side had been thrashed 5-1, Real Wide lead captain Javi Moyano raged on social media about Barcelona's extra rest time. We have to say that Real Valladolid were playing a tough game against a direct rival two days ago while our opponents were resting peacefully, is what he wrote on social media. I really don't like that. Number one, it was three days rest for Real Valladolid, not two. And second, differences in rest time happen all the time. That's part of the game. This weekend, for example, Real Valladolid will play Real Mallorca and they'll do so with five days of rest compared to Real Mallorca's three days of rest. Will Mayano be complaining then? I think not. Perez does well. Still, Lucas Perez hits the shot, and what a goal that is! They've equalised Alaves. Eight minutes to go. He's been kicked all over the pitch tonight, Lucas Perez. But he gets his reward for getting up every time and keep on taking the fight to Atletico Madrid. That there was the sound of Lucas Perez banging in a screamer for Alaves against Atletico Madrid in the final 10 minutes, cancelling out Alvaro Morata's opener. It was truly special, and Matt Clark joins me to discuss this 1-1 draw. Now Matt, it would be all too easy to start off with Atletico Madrid's woes when analysing this one, but we should really start by talking about how good Alaves were, shouldn't we? We should, Ewan. I'm glad you've started with the Basque side. They fully deserved their point here, restricting Atletico Madrid completely in the first half, and they caused a fair few problems of their own in the second. This was a terrific point for them. They're becoming quite strong at home, having already recorded wins over Levante, Mallorca and Celta without conceding a goal. 
These are the kind of games they will have to win to ensure their survival in the division, but this was a great result too. That Lucas Perez goal was something special. What did you think of the goal? And also, what have you made of his start to the season? Has he got his career back on track? I'm delighted for Lucas Perez. He seems to have finally found a home again at Alaves. It appears to be a good fit for both him and the club after enduring a pretty torrid time away from La Liga. He's now scored in his last five La Liga appearances. He's one of only two players to ever achieve that feat for Alaves, and the last one was Wilson way back in 1955. Special is the word, Ewan. His last two have been absolute golazos. An acrobatic overhead kick to equalise at Villarreal, and then this one to equalise against Atleti and take a share of the points. Moving on to those Atleti woes, it's five draws now this season. They've only lost one game, but it's the draws that are hurting them. How do they solve that? Oh, Atleti, another winnable game that slips by. Yeah, five draws for them already, and all of those coming in the last seven match days too. A very concerning run of form. Some of the stats make for a grim reading for Simeone. 20 is the joint lowest points return they've had after 11 games under his leadership, and 11 is also their fewest number of goals at this stage since 2005. Goal scoring and creativity is clearly their big problem then. They do miss Antoine Griezmann and all that he brought to the team in terms of both his own goal scoring and his creative play, linking things up between midfield and attack. In terms of a solution, it won't be easy for Simeone to go against his well-honed formula, but they need to get more imagination into their side. The fullbacks have been effective in creating opportunities, but I think they need more from central areas. Whether this means sacrificing one of the midfielders, that may have to be the decision that's taken. Marcus Llorente was really poor in this game, I thought, and it was his return to Alaves after that special season there on loan in 2016-17. What has happened to his career since then? Yes, he was poor. His crossing of the Great Madrid divide was one of the headline transfers of the summer in La Liga, but that has been the only headline involving him so far. He was taken off at half-time in this game as Simeone searched for the breakthrough, but he could have been sent off before that for a poor tackle, perhaps illustrating his level of frustration. Being away at Alaves, you can't help but compare his stop now to where it was in that loan spell there in 2016-17, where fans were thrilled and excited about what he could potentially achieve at Real Madrid. Ultimately, he just hasn't played enough football for me. In that season on loan at Alaves, he played over 3,000 minutes as they reached the Copa del Rey final. However, in the subsequent two seasons combined, he failed to match that tally. It appears that this trend will continue this season, and he is showing little evidence of being able to stake a claim for more minutes either. He must do more when he gets an opportunity, or he will see less and less time on the pitch. Finally, how much did Atletico miss Joao Felix right now? Is it a case of not realising what you had until he's gone? Are we seeing now that Felix was actually more important to the team than we thought? I think they did miss him, yeah, and quite a lot too. While it's been said that he wasn't showing his glittering form from last season, he has knuckled down and applied himself in the way Simeone would want from any of his players. His contribution has been really positive too, scoring in both La Liga and the Champions League already. What Atleti missed most, I think, is his ability to float in the pockets of space in between midfield and attack, where he causes indecision for defenders and creates space for others to run into. Without him, Atleti's attack looks rigid and quite stale to be honest. So yes, I think his significance to this side has been made abundantly clear by his absence. Thanks Matt. That's us covered Barcelona and Atletico then, who both featured in the Tuesday night games. It was the first Wednesday match though that was probably the blockbuster game of the round. It was Valencia versus Sevilla, two teams 
We believe they can finish in the top four. Finished 1-1. Lucas Ocampos put Sevilla ahead in the first half stoppage time. But then Sevilla were pretty passive in the second half. And Valencia were able to equalise through substitute Ruben Sabrino. Our Paco Pollock was there. So let's bring him in now and ask, was 1-1 a fair result? Um, I guess you could say so, but I believe Sevilla fans have many reasons to be angry after the way the game went down. Sevilla had Valencia in their pocket for most part of the second half while winning 1-0, but they got too comfortable with their short advantage and Valencia were able to level it in a set piece late in the game. So maybe overall the 1-1 result might seem fair, but the feeling is that Valencia saved one point and that Sevilla lost two. Ruben Sobrino was the Valencia saviour. He'd only played six minutes this season before this game. Does he deserve more opportunities? Yeah, well, Sobrino is that weird signing that nobody in Valencia really knows why happened in January. But the fact is that he's still a member of the squad. And he even misses uh, often the matchday squad. But, you know, injuries and having Rodrigo and Gameiro out for Wednesday's game was a huge chance for him. And he made the most of it. I don't really believe he has got the quality to be a Valencia regular starter. But he has the heart. He has the guts. He has the passion and he does his best always. So, yeah, why not? He should have more chances of proving us wrong in the future. Canyon Lee got to play 70 minutes. How did he play as a starter? Um, he had a few good plays in the first half. He really didn't do much in the second. Uh, everybody knows he's a talented kid, as we have already said in the past, but his growth and consolidation in the squad must take place gradually, and Valencia shouldn't really rush it. His development was one of the key disagreements, actually, between Marcelino, who wanted him to slowly develop and fit into the team, and owner Peter Lim, who insisted on playing him and giving him opportunities every single game. Against Sevilla, he didn't do bad, but we know he definitely can perform much, much better. Okay, thank you, Paco, for dissecting that draw. A draw that leaves Valencia down in 12. Not great, but it's still early days. We've got plenty more teams and games to analyse, but before we sink our teeth into the rest of the round's fixtures, we're going to take a short break. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown Match Day 11 recap as we analyse the midweek round that we've just enjoyed. It was a particularly important round for Ruby and Fran Escriba, the Real Betis and Celta Vigo coaches. After their respective losses last weekend, they were both under pressure to get a win. Ruby a little more so, and he got that win as Nabil Fakir bagged the winning goal of a 2-1 victory in the final minute. That has kept Ruby in a job while it's ramped up the pressure even more on Escriba at Celta Vigo. He probably hasn't been sacked because there's so little time between matches this week, but if he doesn't win at home to Taffy on Sunday, well, let's just say he might be taking an extended holiday. Speaking of holidays, Ryan Macinena, the man behind the California Athletic Club fan group account, has been on a trip to Bilbao. He was there at San Mames on Wednesday night for Athletic Club against Espanyol, and he joins us on the podcast. It had been five matches without a win for the Bilbao-based side, but... Fortunately for Ryan, he got to see them win as Iker Munyain put on a show, scoring two and provoking an own goal in a 3-0 victory. So Ryan, how relieved are you for Athletic Club to have gotten back to winning ways? You know what, you and I'd actually classify that same way. Um, a lot has been made of these past couple weeks where Athletic has been unable to win. Uh, and I think it's kind of unfair just because... Garitano was crowned as as the savior for having uh, salvaged the season last year and, and gotten them to the brink of the Europa League. Uh, and this season, for them to be with the, at the top of the table with that amazing start, uh, this is really the first, I would say, stretch of, of adversity that Athletic have faced during this tenure under Garitano. You know, I, I think it's unfair that... You know, the media or, or some fans uh, are already calling for his head when uh, he hasn't had to deal with uh, much adversity throughout this time because, you know, he's, he's had Athletic pretty much flying high. Um, I think he's earned the right to go through the entire season before we really start casting lots and determining whether or not he is the right man truly for the job. Um, but as far as this week is concerned, yeah, I mean, it was an absolute relief. You know, anytime you win 3-0 at home, regardless of who the opponent is, uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good was Iker Munyain's performance? You'd got to give him at least a 9. Um, he was all over the pitch. He was being his creative self. You know, I think sometimes you, you need your your captain to step up in times of crises and... Um, you know, I think that he knew, I mean, he was well aware of, 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 of the losing streak. And um, I think he really was able to utilize that energy from, from the crowd. Munyain recently had his 300 La Liga appearance. He's been playing for the first team for 10 years now, even though he's only still 26. Has his career been what you thought it would be? 
You know, it feels like yesterday. Uh, I still remember when he made his debut uh, in the Europa League against uh, Young Boys. And back then he was just 16 years old. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're young and then on top of that, uh, you're diminutive like uh, Iker is, you're going to get that inevitable comparison with that, you know, that guy over there in Barcelona, uh, you know, Messi. Usually those comparisons are unfair. Um, but, you know, Iker being that type of player growing up, uh, um, being young, being um, creative with the ball, um, being fast, uh, you know, his pace exceptional at the time when, when he was coming up. You know, those are all qualities that, you know, get people excited and, and you want to, always want to crown somebody uh, the second coming. And, you know, I don't know if it was fair, um, but... To that end, as far as his career is concerned, it's really kind of been a roller coaster because, you know, he's had the two surgeries and he had that monster year under Bielsa in 2011, 2012 when they went to the Europa League and the Copa uh, del Rey final. And there was all this talk about Manchester United and other clubs, big clubs, rich clubs wanting to sign him away. And, um, you know, he stayed out of loyalty to the club. I mean, this is. This is a guy who, when they won the Supercopa, and um, he didn't even play because he had torn his ACL the year before, he relished that, that trophy so much that he had it tattooed on his calf. And I think that says a lot about him and how much he loves the club. And and to me, it's an expression of how much he wants to do it for the fans. And, um, you know, his whole family's here. He's, he's from... Uh, Pamplona, but uh, in Navarra, but which is Osasuna territory. But you know he came through the athletic uh, um, affiliated club uh, Chantrea. So you know it's it's been in his blood, and and I think as far as his career is concerned, a lot of up and downs. But you know I I think he he still has a couple of years of his prime left to to really judge him ultimately on on what his career will have been. Finally, what was the atmosphere like at Sam Mames? Even for a Wednesday night, it seemed pretty lively. Yeah, I mean, what more can I say? Um, it's San Mames. And I think, you know, with the new stadium compared with the old stadium years ago, you know, growing up, um, even though I'm from San Francisco, I, I'm part Basque and I have family uh, over here. So I'd visit uh, over the summers um, when I was younger. And, um, you know, everything about the old San Mames that they've, try to bring over to the new San Mames, uh, they've done a really good job. I mean, I, I you know, I think, you know, the acoustics are great. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing that uh, people always used to say was that the smell of the pitch was, was so much different. I think that one was a hard one to replicate uh, from a hundred year old ground. But um, I think Wednesday's atmosphere, despite the fact that it was a Wednesday game and it wasn't 100% full capacity, still felt like a, you know a, a weekend game. Um, I don't know if that's skewed because I was sitting right above uh, uh, pretty much uh, the ultra section, um, so you know you're you're right above it and, and you you hear all the chants and so it's louder within your vicinity. Yeah, no, I mean everything—the the streamers and the confetti—it it, was—it was all there. I think um, the crowd was amped from the very beginning, especially when you score within the first five minutes. Uh, but uh, you know, there was a lull, I'd say, in the second half, right before the third goal. But uh, yeah, I—I I, I think that um, one thing that's going to be interesting, I'd say, also about the this new San Mames is that 
the the board and and the new president Aitor Elisi, relatively new now, uh, they've come to an agreement with the socios to kind of play this uh, jigsaw puzzle Tetris, where they're able to move everybody around and finally have a grada de animacion right behind both goal mouths, um, which is basically you know um, a full on. Um, ultra section behind each goal, just like the old Samames with all the all the flags and minus the cages. <laughs> um, but I I I think that uh, I think the fans um, that's kind of giving them a little a little kick uh, that that news because it just came out recently. And, and I'll say one last thing about this: it's it's such a such a beautiful place. I know I'm biased when I say this, but. I feel like every time I come to San Ramés, it's the first time uh, I come to San Ramés. <laughs> so uh, I really suggest everyone uh, who's a football fan to, to check it out at least once before you die. I'll certainly agree with Ryan on that one. San Ramés is an experience that should be on everybody's bucket list. El Coliseum continúa la respiración, le pega a Timor. ¡Qué golazo, madre mía! ¡Gol, gol, 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 David Timor isn't a regular starter at Atafi, but he got a goal and he got minutes in Thursday night's Atafi versus Granada game. In fact, a lot of lesser used players got minutes, as both of these teams came into this game with so many absences. It was a really physical contest, played under the Halloween rain, and the Taffy got the better of Granada 3-1. Granada, who'd famously topped the table at the beginning of the round. It was Timor's stunning free kick that sealed the deal late on, after Granada were probing and searching for the draw. It means that Taffy are on to 16 points, even though it seems that Taffy have had a poor start to their domestic season. They actually have the exact same number of points as they did after 11 rounds last year. So credit to Taffy, Jose Bardlas is still doing it. It was a setback then for Inform Granada, just as it was a setback for Inform Real Sociedad this week. They were home to Levante, a pretty routine home win, you might think. But no, Imanol Alguacil made personnel and formation changes to his lineup before the game, and then he made some pretty weird substitutions during it. This helped Levante earn a 2 1 win in San Sebastian. Okay, time now to head to Mallorca to speak with La Liga Lodens' Alex Fitzpatrick from Son Moish in the moment shortly after. Full time. He was at the Real Mallorca versus Osasuna match for La Liga TV, and he saw Real Mallorca take the lead twice, twice from the penalty spot. But Osasuna equalised once through Mark Cardona and once through Ruben Garcia. Alex, is there a sense of disappointment at giving away the lead twice? A huge disappointment for Mallorca giving away the lead twice. Absolutely. I spoke to Lumar, the left back, after the game for La Liga TV. He was devastated. Really difficult to get a lot out of him. He. He really wasn't happy with the point. Clearly, they wanted all three. Giving away the lead twice. Osasuna are a difficult side to play against. They competed for every single ball, and it was a hell of a game. Really looked a tough game to play in for both sides because both sides were absolutely pressing. And I wonder a little bit how much that pressing and how much that hard work took out of Mallorca because... They faded a little bit in the second half and perhaps that was a reason why Osasuna managed to get back into it and, and came back and, and got the equaliser twice and actually finished the game stronger. It was two penalties for Real Mallorca, but 
Is it a concern that they're not scoring very much from open play? It is a slight concern for Mallorca, I suppose, that they're not scoring from open play, but a goal is a goal. Take it whether it's a penalty, take it whether it's an own goal, it doesn't matter. I think the fact that you're getting those opportunities is because they did have a lot more of the ball in the final third. They put Osasuna under pressure in a lot of situations and at times out Osasuna, Osasuna, they put them under real pressure. The first penalty coming when Danny Rodriguez put put the defence under pressure, nipped in, got the ball first and then the defender brought him down. So Yes, of course, we'd like to be scoring goals from open play, and there were opportunities there, but they've hit the woodwork. The goalkeeper's made a fantastic save from Budimir. He's fired one just wide. So I think there were plenty of opportunities on show. Pervis Estupinian assisted the Osasuna equaliser. He was Real Mallorca's left-back last season. Now he's on the books of a direct rival, leaving Real Mallorca with question marks at the position. The position that Lumor, who you spoke to afterwards, is trying to make his own, but how much do Real Mallorca miss Estupinian? Purvis Estupinian is a quality left back. This boy is going to do decent things in the game. He'll play quite comfortably at the top level throughout his career, whether that's in the UK, in the Premier League. He's obviously a Watford player on loan from there or in La Liga. It was a blow that uh, he, he left Mallorca. He actually left and it was announced a couple of days before the second leg of the playoff final against Deportivo La Coruña. Uh, the club would have loved to have keep him and left back has been a bit of a problem spot for Mallorca this season. They brought in two left backs to uh, replace Estupinian and actually up until the last week or so Fran Gámez is who's been playing at left back and he is a right footer. So that tells the story in itself. Baba Raman came in on loan from Chelsea and sustained a serious injury quite quickly. And uh, Lumor not uh, having the best of starts at the club, but was back in at left-back tonight. Estupinian makes and made last season for Mallorca a, a huge difference. He's quick, so if he's out of position, he can get back. He can get up the pitch and support his, his winger. He can get back and defend. He's got quality on the ball, so he can he can whip in a good cross. He can he can shoot. Uh, he scored goals last season for Mallorca. So yeah, he he is absolutely a quality left back. He is the real deal. And Mallorca are missing him, partly though because of the injury to Baba Raman. He's going to be out until at least Christmas. So let's hope for a speedy recovery for him. That will make a difference for Mallorca going forwards and in defence on that left hand side. Thanks Alex. Now the game I attended this week was Real Madrid against Leganés, a Madrid derby of sorts. It was a huge win for Real Madrid, 5-0 and they were 2-0 up already after just 10 minutes. Leganés showed why they're bottom of the table, Real Madrid do deserve a lot of credit as they did play really well. It was a little strange in the press conference after the match though as Zinedine Zidane was asked if this was his team's best performance of the season and he was quite adamant when saying it wasn't. He said he preferred to sell to Vigo and Galatasaray wins away from home, but I'm going to disagree with him. I thought this was far and away Real Madrid's best display of the year. They won 5-0 and it could have been 7 or 8, really. Rodrigo showed that he's ready to start an attack and that he has the end product that Vinicius lacks. Fede Valverde, he proved once again that he's a man for the present as well as the future. Karim Benzema, well, he kept up his terrific start to the season. And Thibaut Courtois even made a few saves. It really couldn't have gone much better 
for Real Madrid. La reclama por el otro costado y aquí se viene De Blasis, buen control del argentino Blasis, centro, está, gol, gol, de Leibar. Now, on to the final match for us to cover this week and it's probably the one with the most drama. Ibar versus Villarreal was a great watch, especially in the second half. Kiki Garcia gave Ibar deserved lead but Villarreal unleashed Santi Cazorla and Gerard Moreno off their bench and the latter netted a really well taken equaliser in the 88th minute. At that point, it seemed like a cup final. Both sides were determined to get the win that was as if a draw was worthless to them. So we had an entertaining end-to-end finish capped off by Pablo de Blasi's crossing for Fabi Noriana to turn in a 95th minute winner. Amazing stuff. The stuff that La Liga produces week in, week out, even in the midweek rounds. We'll soon see what happens in match day 12 because it's just around the corner and of course we'll be back to dissect and discuss it all on Monday. For now thanks to contributors Roman de Arquer, Matt Clark, Paco Pollitt, Ryan Macanana and Alex Fitzpatrick. And thanks to you guys for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.